What's up, everybody? We are back. Episode 34 of our new series, Surviving the Pandemic. I'm sitting down with Derek Marso. And thank you, first and foremost, to my good friend, Johnny Castillo, for setting this up. He played Cupid in the relationship here. <laughs> Derek, I know you're a really busy man, so I want to start just walking through your stores in the last month. You guys are crazy busy, so I know you are busy. So thank you for taking the time to come on. Well, I'm blessed. I appreciate it. Appreciate you uh, asking. And again, with Johnny, you know, bridging the communication was great. Um, yeah, it's a crazy time, busy time. But, you know, I think um, just it's how you manage it is what's important. Totally. So I explained to you off camera, you know, the, the series that we've kind of morphed into. I don't want to I want to spend most of the time talking about how 2020 went in 2021. You've done a lot of incredible things that have caught my attention and Johnny's filled me in on. Um, but I do want to, I don't want to gloss over the history. You got a lot of family history in this project. We're sitting inside your Spring Valley location. Um, so I guess take us back if, you, if there was a chapter one in Derek's book on, on your entry into it, but even the business's entry, because I know there's a ton of history inside the building. There is. There's a ton of history. I mean, I can, I can walk you through. I mean, I, I know we only got an hour, but um, this building was built in the 1940s. Um, my family came here in the 50s from Chicago, my grandpa. My aunt was mentally um, challenged, and mm. they said in Chicago that one thing that was going to help her is have a warmer climate. Now we know in this day and age that didn't have anything to do with it, but pretty cool that we got to come to San Diego, right? <laughs> sure. So they come to San Diego. My um, grandpa's a butcher and sees a, um, a need for a grocery store in Spring Valley. So he opens up Valley Farm Mark Market in 1956. Um, my dad aunt and uncle take over in the 70s mm. and um i come in in the early 2000s uh, after i got done um, with sports i was blessed to uh play football and went through went to monte Vista high school which is right down the street here nice. um, played against johnny and we became you know best friends when we were playing against each other which he uh absolutely hated because I'd always talk to him during the games about what we're gonna do after the games and he hated it but um <laughs> so we would uh you know I went to Monte Vista, then was blessed to get a uh, full ride scholarship, and I went to Kansas State and nice. played there. After that, was played a little bit in the NFL, not much, and um, didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. Right, mm -hmm. and it was kind of one of those points in your life. It's like, what are you going to do? And I just knew that I wasn't going to allow uh, a sport to define who I am, and that there was more to Derek than just being. Derek, the football player. Mm -hmm. So um, started selling life settlement plans for a while and realized that was not for me because mm -hmm. there wasn't any substance in that for me. And my dad said, hey, you know, I really am thinking about retiring at some point. Would you like to come in? So I gave it some thought and I said, okay, if I'm gonna come in, invest my time and do stuff, um, we have to change a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And at the time, this store was a very, um, you know, I teased, like it was kind of like a bodegas, right? It was a pretty ran down store. Sure. Um, I said, we just have to capitalize on what people want. So the the beauty of being an independent store is that you're able to pivot because you don't have to go up and down the corporate mm -hmm. ladder. I am the corporate ladder, yeah, right? Yeah. So um, when I felt there was a need for something, I can make that happen. So my dad, being um, the amazing person that he is, said, absolutely, come on in, let's talk about it. So made the change, came over, and um, just started making changes, you know? Within the first two months, I think, or three months um, that I was here, uh, I didn't understand why we didn't have 
prime meat in our case. Mm. And my dad was just saying that it wasn't going to sell. Never, it never, it would never sell in this, in this area. I said, okay. So in three months he took a vacation to Greece and he went to, um, the, the islands, the Taverini islands. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, but he said, here, it's yours for a month. Don't, don't burn it down. So I said, okay. <laughs> so with that, I actually um, brought in all prime meat when he was gone. While he's gone. So I cut it all up, put it <laughs> in the case. I went out to the neighbors, made some flyers, passed them out. Valley Farm now, now carrying USDA prime meats and this and that. And um, it just sold. And, and things just started selling. People were coming in. Oh, my gosh. I, we've been looking for that. Um, and... When my dad got back, I showed him the invoice. I'm like, shit, dad, sorry, but here's the invoice. I ordered this meat. He's like, well, how are we going to pay for that? And he's kind of nervous. And I said, oh, well, here's the sales. Ah. And um, so he <laughs> was he was excited and understood that, okay, this is going to be something pretty cool. Um, what year was that? That was 2007. Okay. And um, after that, I kind of branched out. I became a certified Cicerone for beer when... No one knew what that was at first. Um, Can you explain it? Uh, it's basically like a, what a psalm is for wine. Gotcha. So um, you go through this, these classes, and then do take all these tests to make sure you can you know, differentiate. You know what's going into beers. You know if you have Dianzatol, the Britannomyces, different things that are in oh, beers cool. that you don't want. And um, so did that. Loved it. Became just a huge fan of beer. Um, uh, with without regard to my health and. Um, <laughs> You know, just started like just diving into that area, and with that, we started bringing in craft beer. Um, mm -hmm. Brought in over a thousand different craft beers into the store, and was probably one of the first people in San Diego to really, you know, it's when it was blowing up, right? Like sure. Stone Ballast Point, everyone's going going crazy, and um, brought that in. So just knew that we had to to pivot and make that a niche, and became not just a commodity grocery store, but a, uh, a specialty store. And my dad allowed that, and um, here we are. And we just opened up our second location in uh, La Jolla. Mm. And um, we are, you know, looking for other avenues, too. That's what I hear. So I, I will start by saying that what you carry in your stores is unique, and I love it. Mm. One in particular I've never seen. I was in La Jolla, and you carry on it supplements. Mm. And I pointed out to Johnny, I'm a huge fan. I've taken them for years. I've been to, like, their camps. I've been to their facility in Austin. Mm. But I've never seen anybody actually carry it in their storefront. Yeah. So that's huge. So yeah. I can tell that that's part of, the, like, uh, the mission now around the, the actual brand. But I want to know, you know, when you're growing up with that in the family, was it a situation where, you know, as a young kid, you were in the back uh, sweeping floors or working as a kid all the way through? Yeah, absolutely. We spent a lot of our time here. Um, I was kind of fortunate to where I played a lot of sports, so I didn't have to come in as much as, as some of the others, my cousins and stuff. But yeah, we definitely came in a lot. You know, my dad taught me. So when, when I was young and they had a, a second store in Chula Vista, we were still using hanging cattle right so mm -hmm. like a, a cattle would come in as a whole side so we would break it down here ourselves oh, shit. and that's kind of a lost art now so i learned all that mm -hmm. um we don't have to do it anymore because it comes in subprimal and it's just a lot more um efficient because not a lot of people know how to break it down um but yeah you know we were in here kind of like the rocky movies playing with the the meat in the back and um but yeah it was it was a ton of fun and i didn't realize then but I was getting knowledge that no one could ever take away from me. Yeah. And yeah. the older I get, the more I know, the more, you know, the better. Totally. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, what I try to tell my employees too, I'm like, these are things, whether we're a stepping stone for you or not, that 
when you're 60 years old, you can sit down and say at a steakhouse and know exactly what you want and where it's For coming sure. from and why you want it. And those are things that you'll look back at that like, oh man, that was pretty cool. I learned that when I was 18, I had my first job. Mm. It's, it's super unique because the last person I was sitting with last week um, owned, owns a restaurant and came from a family where down to his grandfather started fa- or started restaurants in San Diego. So back to like the seventies or eighties. And I asked him the same question I'll ask you is, as I described it as, you know, if you have a, an athlete parent who went to the NFL, played pros or a hall of famer, you have to have some sort of like, there's a, a weight that you bear to uphold their legacy and pass it down. The same kind of applies in my eyes. And I don't come from a family that pat like yours or his, is there the same weight when you're coming from generations of doing this now for you to take the baton and grow it because you're already doing that. Um, because the same thing with him, he's like, I don't want to be where it stops. Right. You know, I actually wanted nothing to do with the grocery store, mm. to be quite honest. I, I didn't, um, it wasn't what I thought was my path. And, you know, now looking at it, I'm like, man, I, I'm, I'm a third generation owner. My kids have the opportunity to be a, a fourth generation owner. Um, but people go about that different ways. I actually feel um, I'm very um, adamant about having my kids not have to follow in my footsteps. Um, my goal is for my kids to be the best kid that they can be for their path, totally. whether they want to um, be a rocket scientist, whatever they, whatever they choose to be, my goal is to make them the best at that. If they choose to want to do this, um, that's fine, you know, mm-hmm. and now I'll, I'll make them be the best at this, but my goal isn't for them to come and take this over, mm-hmm. but they can, sure. you know, and I want to give them the opportunity to do whatever they, they want. But, you know, um, you know, being a fourth generation would be pretty cool, but yeah, that, yeah. that's going to be their path and their choice. And, um, it's important for them to know that they, they do have a voice and they do have a choice to do. Like even with my football accolades, like at my house, I have zero of my stuff up. Mm. They will never know what I did. All American, all big 12, like whatever, like they will never have to feel they have to live up to that. Sure. Yeah. Um, now, whatever they do, like daddy's going to push them. Yeah. And they're yeah, gonna, yeah. You know, but like, and I'm sure at some point they're going to be able to Google me and do whatever they want, but I don't want them to feel like, okay, I have to go play football or yeah. I have to go wrestle or I have to be a state champion. You know, like they don't, they don't have to do that, but whatever they, they're going to do, they're going yeah, <laughs> to yeah. get pushed to be, to be the best. That makes sense. Okay. So I guess switching gears is, you know, you kind of gave me a quick clue in on how things have been here since March of last year. Um, and, and I, I don't want to talk, I want to talk a lot about Valley Farms, but you have a really unique and, and healthy perspective, I think, uh, inside your house too, and personally mm-hmm. on it. So I guess walk us through when that first uh, uh, news came in that, you know, the state, the country is shutting down. What was the initial knee jerk around here with your team, your staff, because you're in a little different space than the people I've sat down with um, being more deemed an essential business. But you probably still saw a lot of crazy shit. Yeah. I know the grocery stores by my house that I went in, it almost turned into, a, especially that first month, it almost became like a little bit of a war zone. Right. Um, and you're also dealing with, that was when the pandemic, we were clueless about it, you know, the health concerns and all that. Because I guess walk us through the day one of this. It was scary. I mean, <clears throat> it was kind of brought to us that like, you get this, you die kind of thing. So mm-hmm. my, my first thing is to protect people. And, and that's just always kind of how I've been in my life. 
And so I'm like, okay, we need to get crews in here to sanitize. We need to make sure that everyone's safe and, and happy and starting to see in the, the weeks of people losing their jobs, like, holy shit, people are going without food. Like we're, we're selling out of everything. We can't even keep up. People are losing their jobs, losing their, their, um, incomes, um, can't afford to feed their kids, all those things. So, um, one of my big things was I grew up a pretty poor kid um, mm-hmm. and thinking like, what would my mom have done if she couldn't afford food? Like we don't have help, like what, what happened? So, you know, what we talked about before this this podcast, but I think people get so caught up in their macros and, and mm-hmm. trying to control some uncontrollables that you can't really do anything about. Um, my thing was, what can I do in my micro to make a difference? And sure. um, we just, I mean, I, I thought and thought and said, hey, I'm blessed to be in a position I am, and we have money still coming through here. Um, I need to take some of this and um, feed people. So we, within the first uh, three months, donated um, 6,500 meals to families that couldn't afford groceries. So every Tuesday and Friday, we'd have people sign up through our um, website. And, um, you know, it was emotional. It was Mm -hmm. um, terrifying, and it was just... uh, but again, me making sure that I'm not um, saying I'm this person when times are great, but mm-hmm. when times are tough, am I really that person? Mm-hmm. Am I that person that does stand behind his community? Am I that person that will stay up all night and cook a thousand pounds of chicken? And on, you know, like, are you that person when times are tough? Totally, because yeah. that's when your character is really questioned, right? So. Um, I just wanted to prove it to, to myself and my kids and family that this is who we are to our core. Like we yeah. help. So um, having a team at Valley Farm that bought into those visions was extremely important. And um, just extremely blessed that I have a team in management that understands uh, it's not about what we get, it's about what we give. Mm-hmm. Totally. You know, I've had a couple friends here locally who have been behind raising food and, and donating food like that. And they said it's, it's rewarding, but they also said a similar thing is it's, it's emotional because you didn't, you don't realize until you do that, how many people show up. Right. And the first time they did it, they were overwhelmed. They didn't have, have enough. Did you have the same thing? Was that kind of a growing audience that people showing up and was, was it people that you, you couldn't believe like, holy shit, I can't believe these. 100%. It, it was, it was scary because some of these people that signed up are some of my best customers, mm. you know, like mm-hmm. people that have supported me that I'm like, man, I didn't know you needed help, mm-hmm. but I'm thankful that we're here for you. And they were thankful, but someone that you might not have thought, I see them five times a week, right? They come in to get top sirloin, ribeyes, whatever. And now they're like, man, we can't even afford to, to do anything. Cause a lot of them, their kids are going to school, right? And they're getting yeah. lunches at school and they're getting, and they didn't, they're, they're now taking over that cost that they didn't have. They don't have that help from schools. And then, eventually the schools actually started making lunches and you can go pick them up. Mm. But at first they didn't. So we were making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. We, we had Jackie's jams. Who's a a great um, company here in San Diego that they're like donating us gallons of jam that they're making and peanut butter from our vendors, Shamrock or Cisco or whoever they're like, and we're just making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for, for kids. Like how many kids do you have in your family? Like, well, we have, we have three kids. We're like, well, here's six peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the next couple of days to, to help, you know? And, um, but yeah, just a lot of people that, 
you wouldn't have thought needed help sure um came and you're like man i'm, I'm just uh again extremely blessed to be in the position to be able to help mm -hmm. and um we kind of called we talked about it earlier but your call to action right like that 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 was ours and that that we needed to make sure we stepped up and we've been here for 64 years and we plan to be here for 64 more years mm -hmm. and it's not because of us it's because of our community so mm -hmm. we have to make sure we're giving back to that community but that's a question i've been asking a lot of my so i have one business partner with with kids um my sister has i have two nieces is that's a really good question though is what are you doing um you know to protect the kids from this mm -hmm. you know like that that's something i can't relate to i'm not around enough so i've been asking because i think that that you know we're trying to use this show to humanize the collateral damage of business owners and, and professionals outside of you know what they're showing online all over but i think there's a whole another category that hasn't been humanized of you know the kids the children and that you know the more i peel back that and just my one business partner alone who i see every single day describing to me his relationship now on a day-to-day -day with his he has an eight-year-old son and you know he's almost in yelling battles on a regular basis to get him on his zoom and his virtual teaching and this now he said it's taking a toll on him he's mm -hmm. like he's becoming kind of he's developing new characteristics and, and tendencies um is what what have you seen because you're a father and right. you, it sounds like you see a lot of the people in your community and their kids like what are you seeing this what's the trickle down effect to, to kids well everyone's going to manage it differently and that's um you know, again, it's very subjective on how you want to do it. Um, but me and my wife, we had to sit down and have a long conversation. Like, what mm -hmm. do we want to do? What's what's our goal? And our goal was to make sure that our kids didn't feel the anxieties and stresses that we felt. Mm -hmm. So we had to protect them. And protecting them meant that we were with our family a lot and that we weren't talking about it. We didn't have the news on. We didn't turn the TV on for them to watch anything about what was going on. So we were blessed that our kids didn't really know and don't really know any different. I have a six-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. And my six-year-old's just starting school. So he doesn't know the difference mm -hmm. of what school is. So instead of me saying, oh man, you're missing out. You don't get to go to recess. You don't get to go do this. You don't go get, get uh -huh. to do that. We just let him like, this is how school is right now. And, and yeah. like, this is what you do. This is school. So, um, again, and we're, we're, we're blessed that we're in a position financially that we could have a teacher come to the, the, our house with mm -hmm. uh, three other kids. And, you know, she monitors them while they're on their zooms and cause my wife works as well. Um, but it was just about protecting them because they're so malleable right now. They're so multiple totally. and to protect them from the stresses that you have is that's all I'm here to do is protect. Right. And make sure that they don't have to feel the, um, again, the added stresses, the incompetence, the anything that, that that's negative and just fill them full of love. So sure. Are they <laughs> handfuls and, and dude, like my kids are wild. Yeah, like they, yeah. they, the wrestlers, they, I mean, my middle child, like, will just punch my six-year-old in the face like they're around each other too much you know it's normal like, kid stuff right but it's like i just um we we live out in humul so we have property and they're on their go-karts and they're outside and we put our phones down and um you know we we try to protect them as much and we protect ourselves because it's not it's not again my choice but i don't feel that it's it's um very productive to continue to be on your phone to get fed um, totally. agendas and what we want to do is control our micros so where we're going to continue to love we're going to continue to be positive we're going to continue to do everything we can and hopefully that spreads 
to other mm-hmm. people and then it gets bigger. But, um, yeah, I mean, our kids, do they do feel a little different? Sure. You know, but they yeah. don't really know. So they're going to feed off our energies and our energies just have to be spot on and on point. And if we do come to an, a disagreement that once they go to bed, that me and my wife need to talk about it and say, Hey, I think we could have done this better. Sure. So I'm going to jump back and forth between, you know, you have your family at home and you have a very large family here. Do you have a lot of the same principles from protecting your kids and family at home to here? Because you have a a very large staff and I'm sure everybody, you can't control what they consume, the media watch when they leave your place of employment, how they're, you know, how they're taking in all this and, and bringing it to work each day. Is, is there the same protecting or protection that you're doing around here since this is all started? Because you guys have been growing and busy, and I'm sure, and we talked briefly, and I'd love for you to share, like, you know, there, it's created some turmoil and obstacles you didn't have before with what's going on outside of here to your with your own staff. Yeah, and I think just as a leader and with my, you know, team, that we just need to make sure that we're the ones that are calm. Mm. And um, I was on the board for uh, the grocery association and I was on the, on the phone with doctors um, almost every other day about like what's going on when COVID first started and what we need to do. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of these big name companies, CEOs, you know, I won't say any names, but are calling me personally like, okay, what's your model? What you guys are doing is working. How do we do that? What do we know? And, but it's because I was able to pivot faster. Right. So again, Mm. it's all about protecting my, my employees. Um, and then you get the people that are going a little nuts and like listening to the media and understanding. And I'm telling them like, you guys have to listen to me real quick. We're listening to these doctors and this is a very, very new disease. Right. And we don't know about it. So what we need to do is that when something else comes out, some more research comes out, we need to be able to pivot and listen to this. It can't be black and white. Well, this works and this doesn't work. That's stupid. No, listen, Mm -hmm. take a step back and say, okay, this is what we thought worked. We understand that it doesn't anymore. Here's where we're at now. And here's what we have to control. We have to control the, instead of it living on the surface, it's airborne. So now we have to make sure we're wearing masks and yep. asking everyone to wear a mask. Like we just have to make sure we're taking a step back and looking at the big picture and not getting emotionally caught up because you heard something on CNN. We have to just listen to the professionals and it's, it's scary, right? Because it's, it's not really in our control. Just control what you can be good. Don't go out don't be a spreader. Don't go to these crazy parties. And, and if you do and you, choose to uh, go and you get COVID, well, now you compromise our team. Mm -hmm. And like I told you earlier, I've spent a large sum of money on tests and having companies come in here and test all my employees Mm -hmm. when they feel like something got compromised. And um, that's the decision I chose. And it's what I want to do to continue instead of turning an eye to it and compromising more people is like, I'm going to figure out who has it. And if you do have it, please stay home. We will continue to pay you, but I can't jeopardize the health of my employees just because you wanted to go out. Mm. Um, But it's, it's uh, again, it's just being, being the voice of reason for people Mm. and making sure that they feel comfortable with, with you because it's important as a leader to make sure that you're always looking at every Avenue Mm. and, and to be just finite in one, you know, it's, um, it's not very open-minded of you. You you just have to make sure that you're able to, to pivot when you have to. And when new research comes out and says, Hey, you can get it only from your left shoe. Well, then everyone's not wearing left shoes. Okay. Like we're, we're going to figure something else out. Yeah, for You just have to be able to do that and not be so set in uh, some ideal that, you know, 
that doesn't make sense. Just be able to, you know, compromise and say, okay, now we're turning guys. This boat's turning mm-hmm. everyone row with your right hand. Like, let's go. Um, but again, get back to just being blessed that everyone's bought into this vision. Totally. So I'm glad you said leader. Cause I had, you had a quote that I saw from an interview. I did. Yeah. Oh, that you said <laughs> it was about leadership. Okay. And I wanted to have you peel it back a little bit more. Okay. You said, I feel like as a leader, I need to be of service. Has that taken a big role this year? Or is that just an in general stance you take? Um, I think it's a, uh, a stance that I've taken in my life um, is that people want to talk and they don't want to serve. They don't want to do the right thing for people. People continue to want to say, well, I would do this or I would do that. It's the acts of service that are what or people are going to remember. So instead of just saying like, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Or if I was in that position, this is what I would do. Mm-hmm. Well, you're in a position. Whatever position you're in, you can still do something. So I, I stand behind that wholeheartedly. That mm-hmm. is just being of service to people. People coming to you, asking you. You know, people are just looking for, for leadership and guidance. And instead of being egotistical with it and, and um, pretentious, just saying, okay, I'm here to help in any totally. way I can. Um, have some humility about you. Make sure that you understand, like, we don't know everything. And guess mm-hmm. what? That's okay, but we're going to try, and we're, we're doing the best we can. Um, so we're here to, to serve the community the best way we can, and in both communities, even you know La Jolla, we're ju- we just started, but we're there for the communities as much as we can, and we will continue to be of service to those communities until we're no longer there. Totally. So a reason why I, I think I was drawn to that quote, especially is, that, is most people look at business owners and they don't realize the relationship is – yeah, the employee is working for you, but a good employer as a leader, they're actually servicing and serving their employees. Mm-hmm. You know, they work for you as well. And I've seen this and I've, I've talked to other business owners. Um, so I'm wondering if you had the same thing this last year. Did you have new leaders emerge that weren't in leadership roles or weren't considered leaders before? Yeah, I've, I've had both. I've mm-hmm. had people that are in leadership positions that would, would fall. And, and become people that aren't in those positions anymore. And I've had people step up immensely and say, hey, let me take this on. Let me, let me grab this from you. And um, it's been, been great to see, you know, both. And even the ones that were leaders that, that fell is us giving them the tools to mm-hmm. now say, okay, let's get back up here. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, I'm gonna, here's my hand and I'm helping you back up. We can still do this. Don't, don't just stay down that we're, we're, we're going to continue to, to lead these people. Um, it's really, really cool to see some of these people take on the initiative and take on the responsibilities that, you know, didn't, might not have thought they can even do it themselves. Sure, that they didn't yeah. see it in themselves. Um, to see their growth in the last year, um, you know, sometimes you feel like, well, I can't do that, you know, until you have to. Right. And uh, seeing that just the growth in their lives, seeing kids turn into to adults uh, before your eyes. It's it's cool. It's unfortunate that it had to go this way sometimes, yeah, yeah. but it's really cool to see it because, again, that's something that they can take with them for the rest of their lives, hopefully. Definitely. And they can see that, again, we're a, a team that wants to continue to do that and that they want to continue with us. Because again, like what you said, like 
I don't always feel my employees work for me. I feel like I work for my employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm doing everything I can to make sure I'm putting, um, creating a uh, atmosphere that's conducive to growth. Uh, I feel that you know, no one wants to come into your your business white knuckling the steering wheel and be like, fuck, I got to come to for work. Sure. I fucking hate this place, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if that's how you feel, please let me know because I will 100% help you find a new job. Like I have enough resources somewhere else. Like, do what makes you happy. Like, let's let's create something for you that that's going to get you happy. Um, so yeah, I, I feel like I, I I work for my employees just as much as they work for me. I think it's the right relationship. Yeah. Um, so I I do have to have you speak a little bit on something you said off camera because you're talking about the art of listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think listening versus hearing, especially this last year, because we've had a ton of noise everywhere. Um, and you have a really unique approach of tuning out the noise or not even letting the noise in. But I guess ex- explain uh, what we were talking about off camera on on listening and, and the importance of it. Yeah, I, I, I feel that every person has, you know, capacity to 100, right? And um, it's what you do with your energy that's the most important. I think that's one of your most beautiful assets that you have is energy that you expend to certain places. Um, and people get so caught up in these macro things that you can't control and they're wasting 80% of their energy, 60% of their energy throughout their day on something that's not really controllable. So what what I talk about with like the listening and stuff, it's like, man, like your controllables are your micros. So do that. And when someone's talking to you, listen, like what we were talking about earlier, when you're talking to someone and you know that all they want you to do is stop making noise with your mouth Mm -hmm. because they have something to say to you that there's no growth going to, going to happen in that conversation. Mm -hmm. They're just so hell bent on one side and to tell you about this macro thing. That's so bad where they have zero call to action. They're not even thinking about what they can do to help, but they just want to bitch and complain about everything that's going on wrong Mm -hmm. where my thing is I'm going to listen. And one of the things that I'm going to do is love. I'm going to continue to love without reservation because it is what's going to help my micro and my micro is my family, my business. And if you want to call me a pussy for that or whatever, I don't care because Mm -hmm. I'm going to love without reservation. I'm going to tell my best friends. I love them. I'm going to tell my employees that I love them. I'm going to tell people that it's okay to love in this time and and to listen to people because everyone has an issue. Everyone has something that's going on in their lives. And it's important for people to be heard and understand that, hey, guess what? You're not alone. Mm -hmm. This is fucked up and and it's hurting a lot of people and you're not alone, but let's love each other and make sure that we can do whatever we can to help. Um, Instead of just, again, making noise, like you said, like everyone wants to bitch, but just, love inside your communities and that's going to spread so much faster because there's so much substance in that opposed to the surface bitching sure. and complaining and doing nothing about it so in your opinion because i think that that is key especially right now how does that spread because right now i think we all know what's spreading mm-hmm. and it's definitely not love right you know it's it's disagreements it's hate it's it's all sorts of shit that is it, it's very easily the opposite of love so how do, how does that spread to scale which is what we need more than anything. Well, here's the first fucked up thing that no one's going to want to hear is that it's not going to be fast, mm-hmm. right? And everyone wants this instant gratification. Everyone wants it to change just like that. Okay, we're going to wake up today. And now we're just going to start loving each other. Mm-hmm. No, it's hard. Mm-hmm. So something that I've been telling my employees, we talked about in our last meeting, choose your heart. 
what heart do you want? Do you want the heart of the hate or do you want the heart of the love? It's hard to do both of them. Yep. It's hard to be financially stable and it's hard to be poor. Figure it out. Choose your heart. What heart do you want? So that, that's important. It's just making sure that you understand. Like you got you have a choice in the matters. Um, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's, you know, and, and you have contact with a lot of people and I think a lot of people are leaning on trying to spread the message uh, in their social networks and digitally. But my opinion, the, the easiest way, and, it, and again, it's the long game, is just how we're doing with people in person. Right. Like our interaction with people in person is so fucking different. Right. And I think it's because most of our interactions now has been shrunken into this box of, of we digitally communicate. That's how majority of our communication, right. even down to like text message, down to social media, to DM, we have every way. But when we sit in front of each other, and I know we, we talked a little on disagreements, it's showing in our communication. Right. So like, Spreading love, and, and people, I think, sometimes confuse. Like, it's not saying we have to physically spread. Sometimes it's just saying hello yeah. and fucking smiling right. at someone. And I look, and I was talking to someone the other day. I'm like, dude, I ride that elevator. I don't know anybody in my building, right. which is really bizarre. Um, I don't go out of my way knocking on doors and putting cookies down when I move in. Right. But I also am like, eye to eye locked with you. I say hello. But it's not, like, that's not normal right. anymore. We don't pass people on the street. When you get on the elevator, you think about it. The first thing people do they bury their face in their phone just so I don't want to have a conversation. And then you go down to people who talk about being in their Uber and Lyft and they're so annoyed when the driver says, hey, how how you doing? Oh, my driver talked to me today. Those are the little stepping stones. Uh, So I think it's, again, the long game, but when you have access and how many people I know in just your your network professionally and personally, I feel like that's a good starting point. It is. It's, it's a, a starting point to, to say hello. It's a starting yeah. point to say, um, how's your day? Mm-hmm. To ask questions about somebody else where it's not always like so about you. Mm-hmm. Like, like ask them how they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, it's important for us to have empathy, to make sure mm-hmm. that people feel okay with not feeling okay. Like, mm-hmm. and to not have to hide it and, and hide that anger. It's like, okay to, to vocalize it. It's okay to say, okay. I'm not, but here's, here's what I'm going to do to fix it. Now, if you just have, if you just want to bitch to bitch and complain, like it's never going to work. But if you like, look, I have bad days, you know, mm-hmm. everyone's going to have your bad day, but what are you going to do to fix it? What are you going to do to make it better? And again, like we're like, we're so caught up in just this instant instantaneous, like, you know, the phone right here, like I can have, um, you know, so much negativity at the, at my fingertips, but I just choose not to, um, mm-hmm. what's your choice? Is it, is it your choice to read every negative thing or is it your choice to, to spread some love today and, and say like, and it's, again, it's not going to happen overnight. You mm-hmm. know, that's, that's the, the issue is that people want it to just to happen. And it's like, it's going to take hard work. It's going to take effort. It's going to take when that person says something rude to you and just say, Hey, I understand how you're feeling. Why don't you, um, you know, let's, let's try to figure out how to, how to fix it and, and make it positive. You know, making people understand that it's okay um, through love, I think, will will help help a lot. But again, it's it's not going to be just that uh, instantaneous thing that we all just all of a sudden sing a fucking kumbaya and we're totally we're, we're together. It's it's hard. Yeah, I can't remember who said it. Someone said it on on our podcast. Is that it's okay to not be okay? I feel like that's such a powerful message. And reason being is like anything we're feeling whether you're flying high one day or you're at rock bottom it's all temporary anyway Mm -hmm. like you have a great day you wake up tomorrow it could go south and vice versa so i look but it's it's definitely not popular at all right now 
to share that you're not doing okay. Right. And I think we just get hung up on like this is that's a permanent emotion. Like no, it's not. Right. That can that can go just as quick as if I had an incredible day today. So I think that's a great uh, long game play. I wish there was a way to scale it faster, but right. I don't think there is. Yeah. Um, well, it's just talking to people. Yeah. And I talked to one of my best friends the other day, and it's like, look, I'm choosing. It's my choice, but I'm choosing not to fill up my capacity with politics and social media, right? And I'm choosing to to make it full of, of love and people that have the same interests. And people are like, well, you're you're just lucky. I'm like, well, you can make your own luck sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm choosing to make this decision with me and my family that we're not going to buy into that, that we're going to continue to be the people we are. I'm not going to let... Uh, Sean over here dictate who I am or, you know, uh, Josh, you know, whatever, like I'm going to be myself and you doing that in a positive way will help spread it and be like, oh, okay, like it's okay to say those things. It's okay to be kind. It's okay in the, in these times, like Derek did it. Like yeah, I, th- I think yeah. we can all do it. So hopefully that continues to be infectious. And, um, you know, that again, it's a, it's a slow, uh, slow path but I think again I just I'm not I can't bring myself to get so consumed in shit that I truly have no control over sure. and I will just do the best I can for the people that I can be of service to totally because so I don't know Trump's number and I don't know Biden's number and they're not answering my fucking phone calls anytime soon me neither man so like I like it's just it is what it is man just me be, neither. be a good person Totally. So with that said, what what uh, I know you got a lot in store, um, and I do talk to Johnny. Been in both locations. Back to a little business talk. What does twenty twenty one look like for you? What 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 I guess first off, what it looks like for Valley Farm, but what's really getting Derek off the couch and excited the most each day when he when he comes out uh, to this crazy world. I think it's figuring out scalability. Like, mm-hmm. what, what am I doing? Am I putting myself in a position to be scalable? And the things that aren't scalable, that um, what am I doing to protect those things and bring in the right people um, that are like-minded to be able to portray the vision of our store? Because sometimes, at some point, I'm not going to be able to do it for everybody. Mm. And I need to make sure that I'm putting people in position to succeed and that I have a team that's behind us that understands here's where we're going and they don't need to talk to me all the time, <clears throat> our employees. Like if let's just say like La Jolla or if we choose to do another location somewhere, I'll say anywhere, Encinitas or whatever, that that location doesn't have to have me there every single second because I can't be in three or four spots at once that my vision, our vision our mission statement as a company is portrayed without me having to be there. So scalability is a big thing and we're, we're working on it and it's, um, it's exciting. It's exciting to see the growth that we're, we're getting in um, the, there, there's a, a niche that um, I think we fill for a lot of communities where what we talked about is just that um, interaction yep. and we want to make sure that we're creating an experience when you come into our stores and it's important for us to um, do that positive with a, with a positive attitude. And, you know, when you go to a commodity store where they might not greet you and say, hi, or how's your day or walk you to an item where we want to, and, yeah, yeah. And, and we want to have unique items that you're really, really excited about. Um, you know, so I, I get excited about those. Um, I get excited about um, 
you know, having team members uh, grow when I see, Definitely. you know, um, and I'm not trying to put my general manager's shit out here um, on this podcast, but her name's Kat at my Spring Valley location. I mean, she literally came in um, as a uh, beer stalker. Mm. And she's a general manager who is going to probably be a district general at some point because she's that good. But seeing that growth in her in four years, like, shit, that shit gets me excited, man. Like, yeah, like I, love I don't know if she knew she could do that, but here mm-hmm. she is just flourishing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, that's my substance, right? Yeah, I think yeah. everyone in life has to figure out what what's your substance. Um you know, it's, mine's not fiscal. Like I don't, I don't not finances come real easy for me, like just mathematics in general. Um, but like that doesn't necessarily get me out of bed. Yeah. Um, but feelings, I'm a feels guy, right? Like, like if you can touch my soul or like, that's my substance. So totally. like making sure like you made a difference in someone's life, you, you helped them, you, you did, uh, more than what people thought you were going to be able to, like again, and it gets back to me being, I'm not Derek, the football player. There's more mm-hmm. than just Derek, a football player. So that's, uh, that's my substance. I love it. Has there been a key ingredient you found to the scalability? I mean, fuck hard work. Yeah. You know, um, being completely and utterly honest with yourself. Cause that's a gross thing sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. To have to look in that mirror Definitely. and be like, Oh, you're not good at that. Right. Yeah. Like, I, like, oh, like, that's not your strength mm-hmm. that like, but being completely honest in that and saying, OK, I need to hire my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I need to make sure that when I sit down with my upper management, that I'm not always the smartest in the room. Like, I need to have people that are better than me at certain things, because sure. that's what's going to help us grow. Not me just thinking I can micromanage everything and be in control, because, I mean, that's just a, a recipe for disaster. You know, I can't Definitely. do. You know, we have my. uh marketing manager in here, Corey, like he's a fucking genius when it comes to a lot of the stuff we do on social media. And, um, I can't, I'm not that good, you know? (laughs) And, 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 but I need to make sure that I have people on my team that buy into the visions and understand like we're going places and get them excited because like, I don't have uh, the creativity sometimes to do those things. I have visions and like, Hey, this is what we can do. This would be pretty cool. Let's do this. Or like, you know, we can do a prime rib video or this or that, but where they take it. And I was like, holy shit. Like that's, sure. but that's what you need. Yeah. That's yeah. what you want to make sure it's, uh, you can't control everything, man. You got to let go. You got to make sure that, and, and you can't do it to where it's not fun. Right. Like, mm-hmm. fuck, if I'm just trying to control everything, am I ever really in the moment, like having fun mm-hmm. and enjoying it? I'll tell you this right now. You're not yeah. because I tried to for a long time. Mm-hmm. Right. And just learning that it's like, okay, it's okay to let go. And there's some things that are okay to not let go of. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, Definitely. you got to make sure your, you know, your bottom lines are where they need to be. Like, yeah. there are certain things that I'm never going to let go of. But, like, there are certain things that I have to. And I have to get out of my own way. Yeah, and, for sure. And it's, it's actually kind of beautiful sometimes to see. You're like, oh, man. Like, I made that decision. God, it was, it was the right decision. Definitely. So I'm going to ask you a question as we land the plane here, so to speak. I've only asked one other person, um, but I feel like it's fitting for you because you really have a unique mindset, both here on the court and off the court. Is is there a something that that you're afraid of that you're that you fear? Um, 
goes back to maybe your hundred percent of capacity. I don't necessarily let fear, um, take up too much of that. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the day, we're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. If I can control my family, if I can control, like making sure everyone's happy, like the end of the day, I'm going to be okay. If, but if I can say like, do I fear like if we're getting bigger? Like, yeah, I, I, I fear that I fail as a father. I mm-hmm. feel that, you know, like those things, but business wise, um, I'm pretty conservative, conservative. And I put us in a position like I, I don't rob my stores, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm not, um, taking so much money out of these stores where, you know, we can barely make payroll. Like I, like we have a nice float to make sure that everyone's comfortable. So I don't fear anything that way. Um, but personally, of course, you, you fear that you're not enough. You fear sure. that you're inadequate. You feel that you're, you're not doing, because sometimes, to be quite honest, I take so much time to help others that I need to make sure I'm helping myself, right? Yeah. Um, I just started my journey again working out. That's been a cool thing. Like, mm-hmm. I just let myself go, almost get to 400 pounds, and I'm down to, like, 330. I'm trying to get under 300 before June yeah. and, like, doing those things. But it's like, i got to make sure I take care of myself before I can take care of everyone else. Um and, you know, make sure that you're present. I think mm-hmm. that sometimes um, a fear is not being present. Sure. Um, it's scary. Like we talked about trying to control everything too much to where you're actually not controlling anything and you're not present and living in that moment. Because, look, man, we're only here for so long. And if you really want to get crazy, like we could probably go for another hour of my thoughts on, on other stuff. But, like, we're pretty fucking insignificant. Mm-hmm. Like if you want to get on, on, right. the, on the – You're right big big scale like we don't really mean much and we are gifted this beautiful thing called life why are we not living it up like Mm -hmm. who knows you want to talk about um ideologies and whatever you feel but that's great and and i think that they serve purposes for people and that's great but guess what we don't know Mm -hmm. we can believe and we can we can trust instincts and we can do that stuff but we don't know what's coming so why not love right now be positive continue to to just breed that and instill that in people and instead of allowing yourself to get consumed on shit you don't even fucking have control over dude i could have a whole other podcast on that so could he all day long i love that i I think that the question is super relevant now and i was asked it a few months ago by someone that caught me off guard that we were just having dinner and uh, i had to think about it and it came from a place that they're like, the whole world is, is afraid right now, mm-hmm. is in fear. In general, it's of one thing, but now it's just kind of spawned and it's become a snowball effect that everybody just feels like we're walking around in fear. And that's not me, but they asked me. And I said, you know, that's a great question. And I think that there's a good argument that last year, you know, I think my answer would have been something like affecting my business or putting my business in jeopardy. Well, I just lived through that one fear that I, if you asked me then, so now what's the next one? And I pass that along to people I've sat with. Right. So it's always interesting hearing it. And you have, I'm sure you kind of come off to a lot of people as fearless. You know, I'm like, well, be careful because everybody still has some sort of sure. fear that they carry well, around. Well, fear so. of failure is a thing. Yeah, Like, yeah. you know, I'm a third generation owner. So, of course, like the legacy that we talked about earlier. But I'm not going to allow that to consume my capacity, right? Like, I'm not going to allow that to take over 50% of what I can do throughout the day. Like, is it there? Is it burning? Does it fuel? Sure. But... I don't think fear um, is something that I want driving me. Totally. Um, I want love to drive me. I want the positivities to drive me. I want those things that you're looking for that substance in your soul to drive you. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's my excitement. So, I mean, but yeah, sure. I mean, fuck, dude. 
everyone's human. You, got, you have those little fears, um, but something that's so that makes me so fearful that it affects my life. Totally. Don't don't have a ton of that. Well, man, this is great. And we're going to earmark a date to have, to talk about that other stuff. We're going, to bring, <laughs> we're going to bring Johnny and Sergio in. Right. Even if there's mics or no mics, we're going to do it. Um, and I could tell you've run a podcast because you definitely are a natural in here. It was oh. an easy uh, segue. So I really, again, I appreciate the time. Um, love what you guys are doing. Uh, I know it's not the last time I'll see or talk to you. Um, but thank you. No, I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of this. And I'm blessed uh, to have you come in here. And I appreciate you and the time. And um, you guys got something cool going on, man. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. it, man. Yeah.